Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Hey, well, welcome. Thanks for coming down to see us. Thanks so much for having me. So why don't we start um, by having you introduce yourself and your farm? Okay. Yeah. Uh, my name is Mary Ann Bellazzini. I'm one of the co-owners of Campo di Bella Winery and Farm to Table Restaurant and Farm. <laughs> we have a winery and restaurant on our far- our 20 acre farm in um, outside of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, in the township of Blue Mountains. And uh, we have been doing the restaurant and winery for about five years. We've been running the farm for about ten years. And before that, uh, doing other things outside of farming. Yeah. (laughs) So so I, um, well, I came to dinner, right? Right. And had an absolutely wonderful dinner and wonderful food and a beautiful location. So thank you. um, uh, But I'm intrigued by your story because... I, you know, a lot of I think a lot of farms right now are trying to figure out what they're going to do with themselves because right. the um, farming economy is in such dire straits, right. and and so the amount of innovation that you've done in your farm is is pretty amazing. So, why don't we start? Did you did you buy that farm intending to farm, or was that like just oh hobby farm and I'm going to raise my kids out here? No. Uh, so uh, I think we have to go back a few more years before we okay. bought the farm. Yeah, uh, we had been city kids from Chicago. Okay, and uh, we got married in 1996. Mm-hmm. Moved up to Wisconsin, then went back to Illinois, um, and did that for a few years. And then when we had our first son in Illinois, we decided that we wanted to move up to Wisconsin um, mm. to live permanently. permanently. But we were still under the. Um, or we still had the plan of be, being suburbanite, rural suburbanites. Right. We were looking for land mm-hmm. just to have some property, but mm-hmm. not that we were planning on doing farming as a living. We both had outside jobs, mm-hmm. one in education and one in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we found a, a five-acre parcel outside of Mount Horeb on the east side. Mm. And um, we built a, a home there, and we had this very large garden. And um, by that point, our second son had also been born. And so there were really only four of us. And we had all these vegetables and these herbs. And we were tinkering with making wine ourselves. And so um, we decided to, someone had suggested that we give our extra vegetables and herbs and go sell them at the farmer's market in town. And we thought, okay, we'll give it a try. Mm. And so that's where we met uh, some people doing community-supported agriculture. Mm. And that's where the bug happened. We got into CSA farming and the normal succession as I tell the guests on Saturday night are you join a CSA as a member you find out how to use the vegetables they give you you see if you like that whole program and if it works for you and your family then maybe down the road a a year or two in you decide to be a worker share on a farm get your hands dirty put a couple hours in here there in lieu of of money in lieu of payment and then you go buy the farm. We skipped the first two steps and went straight to buying the farm. <laughs> you went straight to buying the farm. But you were growing vegetables before. We were, yeah. for ourselves. And, yeah. Right, okay. So so you bought the farm that you're on right now. Yep. And it's a it's because people won't know Monhorab around the country, right? It's right. beautiful, hilly farmland, right? right. This it's is, still considered driftless area. Yeah. And so it, there's a lot of lovely hills and... Um, valleys and just kind of some really neat microclimates Mm -hmm. and so um a lovely if you're going down 18 151 toward west towards uh dodgeville and platteville you'll Mm -hmm. see kind of the bluffs with with the granite in there still and that's really neat and stuff like that and from our patio you can see blue mountain state park and Mm. the big mound yeah the big mound yeah so so and your farm is kind of on the is on higher part right it's not down in one of the so it, the valleys. It, a little bit of both it is i think okay. where the wine house is is uh-huh. one of our higher points okay um but then where we start to we go low into a valley that used to be a creek running through oh, the property okay. 
and then it starts to go back up again. And so we use that southern slope mm, for our vineyard. For your vineyard, mm. nice. And then we plateau out another yeah, ten acres. Got it. So did you were you picking that land because you wanted to grow grapes on it? No. Uh, well, <laughs> no. I shouldn't say no. We yes, we knew we wanted to plant grapes. But it wasn't just that that we picked. We just, okay. something about that property uh, spoke to us. And yeah. we knew we had found our forever home. Aww. And so we just bought it in the dead of winter when it was covered oh in my snow. Goodness. We just saw potential there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so we decided to buy it and then started the CSA the following spring of 09. And um, we had 11 families, including our own. And uh, where the wine house sits now is actually where we planted the first season. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, um, as I said, we're city kids, so there was always a large learning curve here. About a foot and a half of stone was under the topsoil, and we got real panicked. And so luckily, the previous owners had terraced some gardens behind the farmhouse, and so we double planted to make sure we had enough vegetables for everybody and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that was the first of many adventures on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Driftless area is not... It's not, you know, the flat land of the Midwest with three feet of topsoil, right? <laughs> no, it's yeah, not. Yeah, a lot of rocks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so how you had a CSA for how long? Uh, from 09 to 2015. 2015. So quite a, six years. Yeah, yeah, six years. You know, and in our heyday, um, and I always, I joke with the, with the guests on Saturday night, uh, we had 28 uh, members now in the big scheme of the CSA movement, we're a tiny, tiny little CSA yeah. program. Our good neighbors, the Vermont Valley folks um, over in Vermont Township, at their heyday had thirteen hundred. Wow. So puts it in perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Vermont Valley people that because um, I've been here in Madison for so long, right? Yeah. They, they was my first CSA was Vermont Valley, right? right? I mean, because it was at the time, it was one of the first. Exactly. I call call them the godparents of the CSA movement because they literally brought the movement to where it is today, you know, and now they've moved on to other things, bigger Mm -hmm. and better things, but um, have left a major legacy for all of us. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, you're doing a CSA. Mm-hmm. Along the way, you must have planted your grapes. We did that same spring. So we had had 75 grapevines at the other house, and mm. we had been playing with the cold-hardy grapes for a while, mm-hmm. my husband. Um, and people, actually, last Saturday at dinner, somebody asked me, your husband, you know, has experience, you know, has trained in in viticulture and, and winemaking. And I said, actually i said he read a book (laughs) from vines to wine and Uh my father made wine but it was never a process that i was ever involved in Mm. um his his uncle in italy great uncle in italy made wine so he participated in parts of that when he was out there but not that either one of us knew very much about it so right um we had so we when we bought that property we put in 265 grape vines mm-hmm. um and then just let them sit <laughs> so does <laughs> it take a while for it yeah. does if you're serious about winemaking um and you're dedicated to the vineyard it should take about three to five years to get some type of production mm-hmm. from those vines yeah um because we had some baby doll sheep and some issue was nibbling the young no vines, no <laughs> And because one we of had, these farming lessons, oh yeah, right? lot, oh yeah, there were lots one. of them on that on our farm. And then we had the drought of twelve and the winters of thirteen and fourteen. We were delayed about three years, mm-hmm. and so um, we have now expanded our vineyard um, to over an acre and have included. We at first started with four grape varietals, all cold hardy, which means they withstand Wisconsin winters. Right. Um, they also have a lot of tannins and some acidity to them. So they're not easily drinkable wines mm. from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Not normally, I should say. But um, dependent on the conditions and the harvest and the growing season, sometimes you get a good batch. Like mm-hmm. our 2015 was a really wonderful um, vintage and uh, you could just drink it right out the bottle with wow. no problem. 14 and 16 still needed a little bit of time to mm-hmm. age in the bottle and stuff like that. Um, and so we are considered a winery. 
Um, but we make less than a thousand bottles of wine a year. So we're very small. We make one vintage a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we're sold out of all that. Now, uh, 16, we had the late April frost. Frost, right. And so right. we lost a majority of the vintage. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so we have constantly been supplementing our grapes with local vintners from mm-hmm. the area. So we get our grapes from Ridgeway and Arena, Wisconsin. So mm. they're still local, but just not we don't grow them ourselves uh, because our vineyard was so young and stuff like that. Right. And so 17 was the biggest year we had harvested from our fields, Mm -hmm. from our vineyard. We had 800 pounds. It was going to be the best. We were going to have the most bottles we'd ever made, almost 800 bottles. And in the end, the final product just wasn't to our liking. We decided it was a bust. So we decided, uh, (laughs) and most farmers do, they find it find make lemonade out of lemons right we decided to make red wine vinegar and so we have now been awarded the by local by wisconsin grant Mm. and are making what i what i know is possibly can be the first cold hardy red wine vinegar in the state of wisconsin nice so we'll be releasing that late fall early winter wow and so when you make red wine vinegar how long does that age too that has to age in casks as well in casks Mm -hmm. wow in oak casks yeah and so So we got those casks from willersheim Wow, from so, Wallachheim. Yeah. And so is this like balsamic vinegar? No, balsamic is something that takes more than 12 years to start with, and then it can go all the way up to 30 yeah, years. Yeah, because they're like so, these little yes. tiny bottles in and Italy that are like one yes, ounce. Exactly. Yeah, like what is this? <laughs> they're elixirs of yeah, delicious right, grape wine. Right, but right. no, uh, so a red wine vinegar doesn't have... Um, we don't boil it or anything like that Mm. and it just sits in the cask and it just and then we have to aerate it a little bit to keep fermenting and you do use a mother um but it's just for a balsamic you're changing it from bigger cask to smaller cask to smaller cask to smaller cask Mm -hmm. in red wine vinegar you can just leave them in one big cask and and just kind of refill them up and yeah. try to get that. Um, but this is new to us as well, so it's an experiment. So we're, we'll let you know how it turns out. Well, there you go. Or I'll come. I bet you'll serve it at your restaurant, so for I sure. will know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. I love it. And I then love- um, eighteen was also a was not as good of a year because we had black um, Asian beetles the the summer oh, before the fall been before around here. And so we ended up only harvesting 165 grapevines and we had decided or 165 pounds of mm-hmm. the grapevines and we had decided to make a rosé. And mm. so when you make rosé, um, a normal fermentation with wine takes two to tw- uh, 14 to 21 days. It's a, a fairly longer process. You have primary and secondary fermentation. Mm-hmm. I am not the winemaker. I'm just Girl Friday that does all the heavy lifting. Right. Uh, my husband's the winemaker. But um on rosé, you're doing everything in one day. So it was an exhausting oh. day of uh, harvesting, destemming, and pressing all in one day because you don't want the wine to sit on the, the on the skins and with the seeds for long periods of time. So that's why they get that light color oh, instead of the dark, rich yeah, yeah, red. Right. So um, we tried it out. We liked it, but my husband wasn't a fan of the final product again. Mm. And he called over Philippe from Wollersheim, mm-hmm. and Philippe said... Oh my God, the French would love this. And I said, Philippe, I said, how many I Frenchmen know. do you know in Wisconsin? Right. And I said, especially in Mount Horeb. And he goes, yeah, not so many. And not I said, so many. I said, so what was it that Philippe really liked about it? it? The dryness. Oh. The dryness of the rosé was really oh, stood out. But see, I would have loved that. The acidity was just too high. Too high. And so um, he started... Philippe and my husband started talking a little bit and uh, my husband decided let's try our hand at vermouth and so we have just released about Mm. a month ago our house made vermouth with rosé wine of 2018 brandy from Michigan and um, Penzi spices from Milwaukee Mm -hmm. so we're trying to keep it midwestern nice (laughs) yeah Yeah, nice and that's very nice it's very mulled um, and we're serving it as a cocktail nice so what I find really interesting about this is in the world of climate variability, I talk young farmers or old farmers for that matter come to me wanting to know like what to do, like, you know, and one of the things, so there are two wonderful things about what you're doing. One is you're being entrepreneurial, right? Problems, lemons, make exactly. lemonade and keep moving, you know, yeah. fail fast forward and keep yeah. moving. The other thing is this regional collaboration thing, because I think the business models of farming have to be more geographically 
diversified in order to work, right? You don't, your particular farm has beetles this year because we didn't have a frost the last year, you know, stuff like that. It climate variability driven. So the diversity of what you're doing is really impressive to me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're, we're, uh, in the middle of making a hard decision because um, the vineyard took some major hits this last year with the polar vortex. And so unfortunately, four of the older vine rows have been completely decimated. And so we're pulling them out completely. Mm -hmm. So um, the thought is to actually move the vegetable fields over to where the vineyard is because it gets full sun Mm -hmm. because we started... We, um, when we grow our vegetables, we're moving them from plot to plot so that we can replenish the soil with nutrients, with other vegetables and or um, other um, seeds of, you know, to mm-hmm. give more nutrients back into the soil and stuff. Um, and this last, this summer, we uh, condensed and made a very small patch of vegetables. And unfortunately, they were lower in the field, closer to the woods. Mm. And we think there was some black walnut uh, root root disease. Mm -hmm. And they've really impacted the the harvest of all the vegetables. Mm -hmm. And then we noticed that because of the woods, they kind of overshadowed the sun. So a lot of my tomatoes are green on the vine still, and it's, what, second week of September? Yeah, and interesting. It's just killing me. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I don't know if we'll see them matured or not. not. I know. Yeah, well, and we've had a short growing season because our, our, right, our spring was really late. So that's part of it, I'm sure, too. Yes, yeah. But it is interesting, right? People probably don't know this about black walnut, that if any black walnut, what is it in black walnut that's so I don't know. It's in the root it's system. It's in the root system. From what I understand, and it, it goes it's, and it's the, their way of protecting themselves, right? right? On right. the plant itself, yes. but you can't grow anything around it. No, black and walnut. the root apparently extends for quite a long uh, ways. So what you think might be a, an area that you could kind of avoid mm-hmm. and stuff, it really just trickles a it lot further a lot than farther. you think. Yeah, and so you you end up with this situation where. Um, carrots don't grow as long as they should mm-hmm. in the ground. Sure. Our kale plants that are normally about three feet tall right now are about a foot and a half still. Yeah. They're just not getting what yeah. they need. Yeah, and yeah. We've, we, I think we've isolated the situation to realize that it's partly, it's that mainly, but also partly the shade thing. Yeah. So we're going to probably move our, our vegetable operation to the middle of the vineyard. So, mm. um, so that's been interesting. And then we've had a... Um, this season, there's been a lot of predators. Mm. <laughs> We've had a lot of deer munching on the grapes. Um, my husband was witnessing some chickens jumping and pecking the grapes, which we've never seen happen before. But, um, you know, it, it, something's off this year. Everybody's a little off. Yeah, everybody's farm. a little off. The yeah. farm is a little off. Yeah. Huh. Our ducks are staycation, staycationing at my neighbor's house. Oh. And they come home in, at night. So that they funny? show up. But it's... <laughs> They're not hanging around. They're not <laughs> hanging out. No. Oh God. Yeah. So you but you still have an acre of um of grapes, right? Other it'll than be the less part than an acre, less, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, somewhere in and around. We're I I think And it's on the slope. It's on it's on a south facing mm-hmm. slope. We're we've um the petite pearl are the newest of the grapes and they're also a new grape um in terms of making wine with, but what we've learned is that they have bigger clusters and they grow a lot sturdier and hardier. So mm. those four rows seem to be fantastic, and we'll be harvesting those in about a week and a half. Um, the rest of them have all been completely eaten and or just not not producing anything this year. Mm. And though the rest of them are, we had white grape vines, but because the slope was on, there was a frost line on the slope, which we didn't realize at the time, mm. um, it pretty much decimated mm. all the white grapevines. So we replanted with red grapevines, mainly Petit, um, Marichal Foch and Frontenac. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the ones that we have currently, right. but they're the ones that have been picked apart. And hmm. I don't know what's going on with those guys. 
Hmm. I don't know if it's a deer thing or if it's a bird thing or if it's just this year it's just not going to work. <laughs> so um so did, are the winemakers like so the ta- the night that I um had dinner at, yeah. at the restaurant um Philippe was there and okay. um, do you guys collaborate with each other? We do. Um and not just with the winemakers but like uh we have bees on our farm mm-hmm. with gentle breeze honey mm-hmm. and so we collaborate and have them come over and speak at our dinners as well. Mm-hmm. We try to bring as many local producers as we can to the farm so that people get introduced not only to us and the way that we're growing things and the way that um, our farm runs but also get the idea from other farmers to hear their story and other producers to find out why they got into the business what keeps them going you know Mm -hmm. um is is it viable I, I know that um the wallers always have great stories about the bees because right now everybody we're worried right, about we're the bees. we're all worried about the bees and yeah. what how what impact it can have on everything and right. stuff so um it's fun to listen to them and you know and as much as you may not be making the same product or growing the same vegetable or or mm-hmm. whatever their woes and your woes seem to be very similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and the and the guests are very empathetic to everything that's going on, even if they don't have a patch of land to grow anything on. Sure. They still understand the the life death of a farm yeah. and they get it. Yeah. So. so somewhere along the line, you guys decided to open, to start <laughs> serving food at your farm. Yeah. And so how did that happen? Uh, our CSA members. Oh. We, they were the ones that had suggested to us that we offer dinners. And we we just kind of like, and you're you like, guys, are you kidding me? We're like, you guys can do this yourselves. Don't we give you recipes? We have cooking classes. You'll be fine. And they're like, no, no. It always sounds better the way you describe <laughs> it in your newsletters. You should you should cook for us. So we went off site um, for about a year, year and a half, and tried them seasonally to see if they would work. And only 25 people. We didn't want a big crowd. Um, and uh, we did it first in Cross Plains over at St. Francis's Fellowship Hall because mm. my boys went to school there. And we rented their, they had a beautiful commercial kitchen, rented the whole place out. That place seats 250. So it was a very not the right uh, Right, dyna- you're kind of feeling like you're in a gym, You right? did. Yeah. Well, no, and actually theirs is very beautiful. It's a reception hall. Oh, It's okay. truly a beautiful, okay, beautiful reception beautiful, hall. Yeah. But, but 25 people in a 250 uh, sure. uh, seat thing just didn't work. And then we also didn't have the right... Um, liquor licenses to go mm-hmm. along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we came closer to home and were rented out Schubert's Diner in downtown Mahora. Mm-hmm. And folks could walk over. We worked it out with Fritz over at um, Fisher King Winery. Mm-hmm. They could have a wine tasting first, then come over and do dinner. But we really felt you were missing that, you know, that uh, the cohesiveness of a good glass of wine yeah. and a great bowl of food. And so uh, we that's when we started mulling around the idea of bringing everything on farm. The boys were still young enough that we needed to be closer to home. And um, there were animals on the farms that we needed to tend to mm-hmm. through, do, through the week and through the day. And so we said, what if we built something? Yeah. And so we mulled around a couple ideas. And then the most economical was building were on that um pasture area that we had first planted on Mm -hmm. and we thought all right we'll give it a shot and we had built a cellar underneath there's a parcel cellar under the building Mm. for our wines and so that's where we keep our vinegar and our wines and everything and then above it at that time we had contemplated putting we put a second floor with the idea that we would possibly move in once we remodeled the farmhouse it's been uh what has it been uh we bought the place in Oh, 08 and it's 19 so you know it's been a while and right the farmhouse has not been remodeled it's yes. not been remodeled yeah <laughs> so we uh we thought about it but um by the time we'd gotten through all the licensing and all the permits and all the inspections um we were kind of tired and didn't do anything with that upper mm-hmm. level for about a for about three years and last year we remodeled it and opened it as an Airbnb. Mm. And so now people can have dinner at night and then walk up to bed without any problems and have a little taste of living on the farm mm-hmm. um, with with the whole experience yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, see, yeah. even more innovation going on. Exactly. Yeah, so so the restaurant opened, or the, the dinners. Yeah, the dinners, we started in fall of... 14 with just a couple of them. And then um, in February of 2015, we went full-time on the weekends. So we're only open Fridays and Saturdays. Um, We've now developed 
our schedule and kind of where we're at. So we know that uh, we do a dinner on Friday night. It's three courses at 630. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Chinetta, which means little dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, you can come earlier for appetizers and wine tasting. Um, our tasting room is open from 430 to 9 o'clock. Um, and you can order off the wine bar menu. You don't have to order the dinner. Mm. Uh, but the dinners are, um, they used to be more rustic. Now my husband's elevated them a little. Yeah. You kind of use Friday night as like in- inventive, experimental. Mm. Last Friday night, he was determined to make a sweet corn souffle. Ooh. And... Uh, Every, it was a second dessert. It wasn't even the oh. first dessert. So people waited around for the second dessert. So we have those kind of things where we're experimenting mm-hmm. and we kind of use our guests as, as our guinea pigs, but they have no problems with that. No. <laughs> so, so, and your husband, so did both of you grow up in... in so I grew up in outside of New York City. Oh, yeah. And a lot of my friends were Italian. So oh, yes. I would go to their house and their mom would make like homemade everything, right? Yes. <laughs> and I had this incredible culinary experience as a kid because of that. And are you both from well, yeah. Italian families? Yeah, we're yeah. first generation. For, you are. We're both fir- first yeah. generation. So our parents were born in Italy and oh. all migrated here, um, immigrated here in the late um 40s 50s okay and so um so you're even closer to the culture than my friends were when i was growing yeah up. a yeah. lot of them at this point in stage are probably second to fourth generation right and stuff we still have extended family lots of extended family back in italy mm-hmm. and we travel to italy every two years to visit mm-hmm. them because we have a, a small apartment there that um oh. we were we inherited from his where, grandmother in what part of italy um so my husband's family's from the northeast corner of tuscany oh. and then my dad is from the land of the best food ever now i understand <laughs> well don't tell that to my dad he's okay from, he's oh, near no. bologna and Modena. Uh, yeah, so, no, and they so would there's, argue a, dis- about yeah, there's that. a regional kind yes. of conflict about that mm-hmm. and mark did go to bologna and to the culinary institute of bologna to do some extensive oh. um uh training in pasta making to oh. kind of fine-tune his pasta making skills so um i tease him that you know he had to go to my neighborhood to, yeah, to my my heritage but my dad is from modena and my mom is from a small town near padua italy up in the veneto got it so got yeah. it and both he, mark and i grew up with grandparents in our home mm-hmm. and so italian was part of our existence mm-hmm. you know we spoke it and so he speak he understands it all but doesn't speak it mm-hmm. um but i i speak it and i learned to read and write it nice. so yeah. nice so yeah yeah, there's something about the um, the I want to say the curiosity of the food or something that comes across in your food. Like, oh. it, it, yeah, he's he, your husband is translating that into into the food. Yeah, yeah, he really. Um, I think he he absorbs things by either watching on television or reading or watching on the internet but then when we're in italy visiting relatives he's watching his cousins Mm -hmm. making things asking them questions trying to find out how to do this that way or what's simpler and stuff and last fall we were there um and we happened to get on a conversation about lasagna and um mark was asking them about you know how much do they put ricotta in their lasagna and they looked at us funny they're like we don't put ricotta in no. our... And I go, what do you mean you don't put ricotta in your and lasagna? lasagna? And they said, no. They're like, we do bachamel. Mm. And we're like... So we came home and started doing that. And we and we, they, we loved it. It was phenomenal. And so mm-hmm. now we try to go away from uh, the ricotta version mm-hmm. and do more of the traditional Italian version with mm-hmm. the bachamel and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, it's you're never too old to learn something new. Never, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you make wine in there too, right? So yep. so it's kind of the restaurant and the vi- and right. the, the winery. The wine, right? yeah, the winery. Um, the fermentation tanks are in the kitchen, right. and so Philippe will tell you, no, 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 that's a bad idea. Yeah, but I'm right sure now it Philippe works for us. Probably didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, he wanted a new whole new building. He wanted like, a new building. Right. It was the first year we opened, and we're like, Philippe. Not happening. Right, right. <laughs> we need Philippe to see if this is, is successful. The, yeah, it's the um, owner of Wallersheim and, and yes. probably our most successful Wisconsin vineyard. Winemaker, Probably by yes. far. Absolutely. And, yeah, he's French, too. Yes, so. yes. And he's a, an advocate of everything 
involving the Wisconsin winery industry and mm-hmm. tourism. And he he and his family do an amazing job. They're on second generation. His daughter, I think Celine is her name, she's now taking over a lot of the winemaking oh. analysis and other mm-hmm. things. And his son has just come back from some educational uh, culinary experiences mm. and hoping to do something in that field as well. Nice. So yeah. We'll see some really neat things from that family as well. Yeah. I think that's what I love about farm families and touching base with all these other producers is that we're moving on to second, third, and fourth generations of farms and they're redeveloping themselves or expanding themselves to what the kids are liking to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just find that super fun and exciting to see what the next chapter has to bring. Yeah, and what a contrast to conventional agriculture right now where there's so much... I would say angst is the right word, but but their yeah. kids don't want to come home. Nobody wants right. to do that anymore. Oh, and it's so, so much hard work. It's I so mean, much hard work, and the ret- the financial returns right. aren't there, and nobody can figure out how to financially transition the farm. And then here we have this entrepreneurial farming yeah. world where you're talking about kids coming in and coming back and wanting to be part of it. Exactly, exactly. And um I hope my my oldest is going to be a senior in high school this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're positioning it so that he can take over the business mm. if and when he wants to come back. Now, if you talk to my uh, 14-year-old, he'll tell you he has big plans, but they're not going to look like what we're doing right now. Oh, no, <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. And he's my he's my um, Saturday night tour guide. I don't know if you got the tour when you were I there. I did not, okay. right, because yeah. I came in the winter, so it okay. was pretty. Yep. Yeah. yeah, in the summertime, if he's around, he'll give a tour during the dinners and take everybody around. And he's quite the, uh, he, he's quite the advocate for farm kids and uh, nice. farming in general. Good. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. We'll see where he, he lands. <laughs> yeah, see where he lands. We'll see where they both land, right? Exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. there's a long road, right, yep. for them to. So, okay, so you opened, um, um, and and just with Saturdays, if I'm not mistaken, no, right? it was, or um, was it always Friday it and Saturdays? It was always Fridays and Saturdays. Okay. We started with just a wine bar on Friday nights oh, and then dinners on different. Saturdays. Got it. And we alternated the dis- dinners between those little dinners and the big dinners got for it. the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then as we got more experienced and more comfortable in our roles and what we could provide and how mm-hmm. we could provide it and the the size of the group and mm-hmm. stuff then we decided we could ta- tack on dinners on both nights and so we started doing that i think about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. where we've been having dinners to both um both evenings and right. it's worked out really well for yeah. us and I got I just got to say that three courses is the little dinner is yeah. sort of <laughs> like welcome to Italy right? yeah, exactly yeah. exactly right, it's, right. you know it um it can be Italian it can be my husband's a Francophile so he loves yeah. everything French so it can be um it can be French inspired it can be Mediterranean I know we have a Spanish feast we offer mm. every uh, uh couple every year if not twice a year um, and then there are the the more heartier vegetable and farm inspired dinners and stuff like that. Like this one coming up this weekend is going to be a smoked uh, beef brisket with butternut squash, mm. um, and it's going to have roasted carrot soup to start off with. And I don't remember what the first course is, but it's just those mm-hmm. fall flavors coming out. Yeah. Oh, and maple ice cream for maple maple walnut ice cream yeah so you can't go wrong can't go wrong yeah (laughs) good fall dinner (laughs) yeah exactly and so we change our menu every weekend and so it's never the same which has got to be a tremendous amount of work it is because you're working with a couple different menus um Mm -hmm. and you're kind of balancing um how much of ingredients you have and stuff like that we've been fortunate enough um in the past few years to rely on vermont valley and other um csa farms to help supplement Mm -hmm. when when our fields are not up to snuff or just not ready like our tomatoes vermont valley's tomatoes were always three weeks ahead of time (laughs) for some on god no reason in our head we would post these menus with 
tomatoes in the middle of August. And yet we knew that our tomatoes were never <laughs> going to be ready be by there. then. But we we were always lucky enough to find tomatoes and so um, from other CSA farms. And, and they've been gracious about letting us buy mm-hmm. their product and advertise their product as well. Mm-hmm. And they all just do amazing work. So Well, and it helps them too. It's good promotion it for is. them. Because it, I, I when I, the night I was there, there were people from pretty far away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're drawing people not just from your little, you know, draw a circle that around. You're, the, Mount Horb is 30 minutes outside of Madison, right? Right, But absolutely. there were people from further away than that. We, I would say that the locals are the ones that know the least about us. And I would yeah, say that yeah. Milwaukee, Rockford, and Chicago, mm-hmm. and right, and actually this summer, this spring, we were just um, published in the Star Tribune, in oh, the Minneapolis, in Minneapolis the Star, Star Tribune. Tribune. Mm-hmm. So I've seen... Uh, uh, I'm amazed at those folks. They'll drive four and a half hours just for munchies at our wine bar because no. they heard about us from this article. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like that seems so like a long distance, but they'll they will come mm-hmm. <laughs> if you provide good food and good drink. They yeah. will come. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And we did have some people questioning the winery side of things, and. Although we only offer one vintage a year, that's what we can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, we have wines from Italy, France, California, and Switzerland, and they're posted on our website. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't want to give anybody the illusion that we're a full winery and a full restaurant. We've never felt fit those molds to begin with. Right. Um, and the fact that we're on a farm <laughs> throws everybody off completely right they expect to pull up and be like, you know, there's a storefront or there's a restaurant front, and they're like, this is a farm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, we do a little bit of a lot of things, but, and I'd like to think we do them very well because mm-hmm. we're selling out pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, but we're not your typical term, typical winery, typical restaurant, typical right. farm. Right. We're just not those. You know, <laughs> you're very unique in we, that We way. really are. And that's what I told you. Unique dining mm-hmm. experiences is what we offer. Right, right. So, yeah. Right. So you were going to keep up making wine? Is this something, oh, yeah. despite all the travails? It's yeah, like, we yep. Are, yep. So we still have local um, vineyards and vintners that are growing grapes that we will supply, support them mm-hmm. and, and that will inspire us right. to do different things. So mm-hmm. yes, I think we will definitely. I just don't know. My husband's torn about whether he wants to go in the vinegar direction with the grapes oh, or if he wants sure. to go in the vermouth direction or if he wants to make a batch of wine. And I keep saying, please make a batch of wine. <laughs> People would literally like to try our wine again. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. so he's a little torn on that. So yeah. um, And given that he still has an off-farm job, we have to kind of balance that with everything else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. We may be making minimal amounts of things for the moment till we mm-hmm. can get him out of the off-farm job, which our goal is in five years to hopefully have okay. the farm totally sustainable. Cool. So. so, yeah, so I should we should pick up on that. So when yeah. did you quit your day job? Oh, I quit my day job when my, f- my oldest was born in 01. Well, no, not, uh, well, (laughs) I've moved around because of my husband's job. So I've quit my day job a few different times and have had to re had to go back to working for different reasons and Uh at different places. Um, But my official last job was recruitment director of my, uh, my high school alma mater, which was an all girls school in River Grove, Illinois. And I did that from, um, for about a year about two and a half years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we moved up here for the final time and I didn't go back to work in an, a traditional nine to five job mm-hmm. and so uh from 04 to oh to from 04 to 08 I raised my boys sure. and had babies and then in 08 is when we decided we were going to sell the house and buy the farm and we were going to do a CSA and then I took over the management of the CSA. Right. In so 09. basically the the farm has been my full-time your job. Your full-time job for yep. the whole time. Yep. Yeah. 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 So Good. I'm I'm the on farm I'm farm manager, so yes, to speak. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, somebody has to do it, exactly. right? Yeah. And then there's always this this thing about how do you, how and when do you quit the day job, right? That becomes, that's a big thing for any yeah. entrepreneur, but right. definitely with farming. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot 
of things to consider when you have to make that decision. And a lot of it may not have to do with the paycheck. It can do with insurance. Mm -hmm. It can do with holidays and, you know, uh, you know, just personal time. There's Mm -hmm. just a lot that plays into that. Right. And stuff. So. so does your husband sleep if he's like the winemaker and the chef and he's got he's yeah. the one with the day job? Yeah. Does he sleep or he does? He does. He does. He okay. does. Well, he's, that's he's good. very good at that. He's very good at sleeping. <laughs> Minimal hours, but very Minimal good. Minimal hours and good while it yes. lasts. Huh? Yeah. He okay. has one of those brains that is constantly working oh. when he's awake. Right. 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 And right. then when he's asleep, he's just then he's dead. out. Yeah. 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 He's really passionate about his cooking. Yeah. And his he's really good um, at it. You know, his winemaking and his farming. Mm-hmm. So that really is what in, um encourages him. You know, that's what sustains him mm-hmm. for his day job. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. He's super good at his day job too. But I'm it's just sure not. he is. Yeah, <laughs> no, but you're uh, there's that I don't know. There's something about farming in particular that it gets into people's blood, right? Absolutely. And it's yeah. just, yeah. And for him, it's a. It, I hate to it's use the expression. In a way. It, it, I was going to say therapeutic, or it's his religion. Mm-hmm. Like for him, it's his peace. It's his. The minute he's out there, he's just a whole different person. Oh. And so we've been fortunate enough that his we've been able to change his job a little bit so that he's only working three days a week. And with that, there are no nights or weekends. So we're... That's not bad. We've never had a Sunday as a family before. And even though Sunday is kind of our catch-up day from everything, um, it's just really nice to be home all together on a Sunday. (laughs) I bet. How wonderful. (laughs) It's been 20 plus years we haven't done that. Oh, yeah. So do you have, do you, looking in the future, do you think you're going to keep, are you going to grow a little bit so that you can do like vermouth and vinegar? And You know, I never say never. Never say never, yeah. (laughs) I've learned the hard way with that. Right, right, right. I bet. (laughs) No, no, no. We do grapes. Yes. I just never say never. I don't know where the next, I know where the next five years looks like, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what the next 15 years looks like. So what does the next five look like? Well, the next five years looks like keeping up with doing what we're doing and doing it well. Mm -hmm. Um, and offering a quality customer service-based dining experience where people can create memories with either their loved ones or the people that they join for a dinner that become their best new friends Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, That's what the next five years, and getting the kids off to college. Those those are the two priorities. And then in five years, when it's time for him to maybe step down from the day job Mm -hmm. and, and do this full time, then we'll reevaluate and mm-hmm. see where we're at and see. We have lots of good, he's an idea mm-hmm. person. So we have lots of ideas where that will be and where that will take us. I have no idea. Right, <laughs> so. right, right. So to have a dinner, you go to your website, yes. right? You're really well organized. Yeah. Um, and it, when I did this, I was like, whoa, they book way out in advance, right? Yeah. So right now we're booking out about two months in advance for the Saturday night dinners. Mm-hmm. So Saturday night dinners are, so we're open year round. Mm-hmm. We're taking, we take a small fall break in mid to late October and then uh, a week around Christmas. Those mm-hmm. are the times, unless there's something pressing in the family like this year we have a senior in high school so there's a couple important dates that we need to be at but we put those out their way in advance so people don't show up and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um but yes so we sell out uh two weeks in advance right now our menus are out through uh mid winter of 2020 excuse me and so they um we have those booked uh, those can be booked anytime and um the the Friday ones are put out two to three weeks in advance. Mm. And so they're a little less out there because we kind of want to see what's coming out of the field. Mark gets inspired by something. He wants to be have a little bit of creativity mm-hmm. to be able to add it to the menu and stuff like that. And so um, I think we have them posted till early October right now, uh, but it's always two to three weeks in advance for the Friday ones right. and stuff. And so those, you just go on our website under, uh, it's at campodibella.com 
under the dining option, and then it lists all the dates and stuff like that. And then you just, it, um, you need to log in if you're going to make a purchase, but it will tell you, it'll give you the details of the dinner. It'll tell you how much, and it'll tell you how many seats are still available. If it doesn't show a seats available, it'll say sold out. Mm-hmm. So then you know right away. And I do encourage wait lists. So if there's a specific menu or mm-hmm. date that people want to come to, we've had like these people are coming from afar, obviously. Right, right. So sometimes we do have unexpected cancellations and stuff. Then we're able to put that back out there for people to sign up on and mm-hmm. stuff. And if I have a wait list, then you're the first person to get dibs at that, mm-hmm. those spots and stuff. So um, for for the benefit of the listeners, yeah. so what is the range of prices? So for, for a five-course meal, that and 50, then does it apply? Yeah, the yeah. five-course meal is 55 to $65 mm-hmm. per person. There's no wine included. Mm-hmm. Um, right. When you pay the reservation, you're paying sales tax on mm-hmm. that as well. Um, then the evening of, you pay whatever beverages you consume. The service charge, since we're a no-tipping establishment for both the dinner reservations and the drinks that you've consumed, and then a sales tax. And right. that's your total final bill for the right. dinner. Perfect. Friday nights, uh, dinners are 35 to $45 mm-hmm. based on the ingredients. Yeah. And I mean, just to me, for the exper- the quality of the food for like the value proposition is fantastic. I oh, just got to say, <laughs> yeah, for people like, no, really, if in Chicago, that, co- that quality food would be more than... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean. Uh, yeah. No. Fa- fantastic. Experience We're trying for to um, give people an experience that they might would have had in Europe, um, where they have a bit of a more slower pace of life, and um, they just enjoy the idea of eating. Mm-hmm. It's my, like my uh, my sister and her family. They eat to fuel themselves. But in Italy, it's more of a social uh, uh, time. It's not a, it's not just to eat to eat to eat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I always encourage people. I'm like, we're trying to bring a little bit of Italy to South Central Wisconsin. Slow down, relax. Mm-hmm. We don't turn tables like other restaurants. You get that view of Blue Mountain State Park on a Friday night. It's all yours for the whole night. Mm-hmm. And watch the sunset over the barn. Yeah. It's it's priceless. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, totally. It is. So did you ever think, it sounds like you guys never thought of this. Like, oh, no. Like, like 10 years ago? Oh, no, 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 no. You're no. right, like, no. No, no. 23 years ago when we got married, there that was never an inkling in our eye that this is what we'd be doing. Uh, ten, 15 years ago, same thing. 10 years ago, <laughs> not yeah. ever. And then it all just kind of changed. The certain things happened that, caused us to take pause Mm -hmm. and reevaluate what we we were doing and why we were doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we realized that we wanted to educate people on vegetables and on wine. And we wanted to introduce people to a different way of looking at life. Mm. And we thought, if they can do it over there, over the, over mm-hmm. the pond in Italy, why can't we do it over here? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we get we get fueled when we go over there. It just reaffirms to us that people are doing it. They're relaxed. They're calm. And mm-hmm. um, if anybody knows anything, uh, the Europeans tend to be much age a lot longer than we do anyway. So mm-hmm. it's a great way to live longer, <laughs> drink right. wine and have good food. Right, and right. And, and like the process of living longer. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. Don't rush it. Do they ever, does your family ever come over? Like, have they come to your farm at all? Uh, from Italy? Yeah. No, unfortunately, uh, we've gotten a few people over. Some of the younger generation yeah. has come over. Uh, but no, we keep encouraging our... Um, so a lot of the people that are living in my husband's hometown, um, his family's hometown, are his mother's first cousins and their kids and their kids' kids. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the, we keep encouraging his co- his mother's cousins to come over and be guest uh, cooks with us. Oh, We're like, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, we have their pictures up in the wine house. You know, we yeah. talk about them. I'm like, you could just gotta come. And they're like, she's like, we would love to. We would love to. But I just don't think, given their family dynamics right now, they can yeah. and they can do that. But um, I know that a couple of my cousins are coming over next summer and stuff like that. Fun. And we'll probably stop. I know usually 
the thought of coming to Wisconsin, they just don't know where it is. They right, don't understand. Right. The, they, they like Nova York, New York. Yeah, and, right, right. And, you know, California. Like, yeah, that's right. The that's of, and Chicago. Right, that's right. The, but, like, well, that's the so far of, from Chicago. <laughs> so that's really? why we try to explain that yeah, to them yeah. and stuff like that. But, no, they, they, I've noticed that they don't vacation far from home. Yeah. We Americans, we like to go places. Right, right. And do things. But they're not as adventurous. They go to the, if they're in, they live in the mountains, they go to the ocean. If they right. live in the ocean they, they go, go to the mountains, mountains. Yeah. it's just kind of one of that i guess it's their their backyard their backyard is a Gorgeous. wonderful playground yeah, yeah right sorry. i mean if you have a background like that hmm, I backyard know. like that i don't know if i would go that far either honestly exactly yeah. exactly yeah. so yeah it would be nice to get them out here but um i have had quite a few of my family members and friends from chicago have taken buses up to visit me and stuff like that oh, and have been really sure. uh supportive of that so mm-hmm. we've been fortunate to get the chicago clan and and to come up <laughs> and so your airbnb are there how many how many units are there so it's actually just one uh full uh unit one it's got a king-size bedroom suite Mm -hmm. and then you have a um lounge area with three leather sofa sofas and one is a pull-out queen-size sofa so you can sleep comfortably for people Mm -hmm. and then we have a bathroom with a shower Mm -hmm. but no kitchen and we don't provide breakfast but i can make recommendations on good breakfast places in our area and stuff yeah i bet and and we put a little munchies in there just to i bet you do (laughs) and it's got to smell really good because i'd be like all this cooking going on and be like oh my god am i hungry exactly (laughs) it's a fairly large space so you don't feel cramped at all right stuff like that so and i bet the view view is beautiful I, I think so. I think people really enjoy coming out and just, you know, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. They're just not used to quiet. And um, now I wouldn't have it any other way. Like when I go to Chicago, the noise just gets to me really fast and stuff. But um, but yeah, it's quiet. And one person, I can't remember who said this in the last couple of weeks, were asking me, they're like, you know, your chickens are loose, right? And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're supposed to be yeah, loose. They're supposed they're like, to be loose. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it so. is. It, what a wonderful gift to have to give people, right? The experience yeah. of being not just having great food and the whole that whole thing, but to have it on a farm and yeah. see this. Yeah, you know, a lot of them have either visited family on farms but the farms are all gone now or they grew up on a farm Mm because grandma and grandpa used to spend summers at grandma and grandpa's on the farm but again most of them are not tied to farms anymore Mm -hmm. so there's a disconnect right and so yeah it's it's a um i find it a privilege to live on a farm and i look to hope to keep doing it for as long as i can keep doing it and hope that my boys will continue Mm -hmm. that that legacy and you can have that intergenerational transfer of the business exactly exactly yeah Yeah. fantastic we'll see (laughs) we'll see (laughs) right right? yeah we'll think how many times your thing has changed and oh my gosh yeah 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 (laughs) so we've covered so much ground have we missed anything I don't think so. I think we're good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So it's um, compodebella.com. Is that yes. where people should go to find you? Yeah. And um, it's been terrific. Thank you for all you oh, do Tara, for local you. farms, seriously, oh, and for elevating our understanding of your culinary traditions, too, which Thanks. is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org. Thank you.